Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. decided to show up tonight. Even though the weather was outside, you guys are the faithful. Um, so thank you for being here. I hope you guys had a good Easter, a good night off um, with your families, and you guys really enjoyed yourself. Tonight we are going through a new message, and it's called Intense. And it's going to be about Abraham, uh, who apparently looks a lot like Chris Riddle. Which is ironic because in this story, Abraham would have been between the ages of 75 and 95. So that guy in the movie looks really, really good for his age. Uh, the story of Abraham is one that is one of faith. Uh, we see time and time again Abraham act in faith. And we're going to pick up on the fourth promise to Abraham from God. But before we do that, would you pray with me? God, just thank you so much for giving us this night uh, just to get together in your house. And Lord, thank you for the beautiful day that you gave us. Um, God, I just want to thank you for every person here and Every person that's a part of this family who couldn't make it tonight, Lord, I just pray a blessing upon them, and I just thank you for them. And God, tonight, we know that you have a message for us. Um, we know that there's something that you want to tell us, and that's why we're here, and so we're trusting in that. Uh, God, just open our hearts, and let us be receptive to you and what your will is for us this evening. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So if you have your Bibles, uh, turn to Genesis chapter 15 is where we're going to start. Um, but if not, that's totally okay. The words will be on the screen. Starting in verse 1, it says this. Later the Lord spoke his word to Abram in a vision. He said, Abram, don't be afraid, for I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. And Abram asked, Almighty Lord, what will you give me? Since I'm going to die without children, Eliza of Damascus will inherit my household. You've given me no children, so this member of my household will be my heir. Suddenly the Lord spoke his word to Abram again. He said, the man will not be your heir. Your own son will be your heir. He took Abram outside and said, now look up at the sky and count the stars, if you're able to count them. He also said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. Then Abram believed the Lord, and that faith was regarded as the basis of Abram's approval by the Lord. So we see in this story that Abram gained his approval in the Lord by stepping out into faith. By stepping out into faith. But what we also see in this story is Abram talking to the God of the universe. This holy, big, infinite God that created everything. And God's promising Abraham these things. And he's basically saying, God, I don't care about that. I just want a son. I just want a son. 
And what we see here is Abram making God small. Abram making God small. And I don't know about you guys, but I do that a lot in my life. Uh, A few weeks back, I went on a men's retreat with Kent and with Chris, and uh, it was called The Walk to Emmaus. And the very first day there, I had a horrible attitude. Uh, I walked in, and everybody there was probably close to 20 years older than me. Chris was the closest person in age. And I'm looking around, and these guys, they seem dorky, dorkier than Kent, if you can believe that. Got to pick on the old guy. Sorry, man. But I just had a really bad attitude, and I was saying to myself, man, why am I here, you know? I really wanted to get something out of it, and I was hoping for one thing, and it was just something completely different. And uh, that night, we had to um, be completely silent for a period of time. And let me tell you, silence can be extremely deafening, and you start to hear things that you might not hear otherwise. And uh, that night, I had this dream, and I'm not claiming to be prophetic, I'm not claiming to be like Joseph, but in this dream... It was very clear to me what God wanted me to hear that weekend. And in that dream, I was sitting in the sanctuary in Wilmington, Ohio. I was looking up at this stained glass window. And I heard God say, why do you make me so small? Why do you make me so small? And I realized, so many times in my life, I look at my circumstance. So many times in my life, I look at situations or or problems or things that are going on. And I make them bigger than the God of the universe. I look at the mountain and I tremble instead of realizing who the God of that mountain is. And if I had the faith of a mustard seed, I can move that mountain. That's what scripture tells me. But so often I forget that. I forget that because of my limited perspective. And that's exactly what we're seeing here in this story is Abraham is having a limited perspective. And uh, I think that the problem here in this story is one that's pretty common in the Christian community. Um, I don't know about you, but have you ever been to a uh, amusement park or a theme park where there's a water ride, and you get on that water ride at the first part of the day, and you're wearing jeans, not realizing that it's going to be like 80 degrees the rest of the day. Your mom told you not to do it, but you did it anyway. And you get soaking wet right off the first of the day, and your jeans get wet, and it's smoldering hot, 80 degrees. The whole rest of the day, what happens? If you're a guy, you know this problem. You chafe the entire day. You see, that's the problem in the church is we have a lot of Christians who are chafing. A lot of Christians who are trying to view the kingdom of God through their perspective. Through their perspective. You see, the kingdom was never supposed to be lived in from the perspective of earth to heaven, but from heaven to earth. But from heaven to earth. And my question that I was asking myself over and over again this week was, where do we even get this point of view? Where does it come from? Now, being a pastor, um, it comes with two requirements. The first one is that you have to be weird. Every pastor that you know is probably a little bit weird. And the second thing is most pastors are extremely insecure. And all the time when I'm talking to guys that are my age or a little bit older in life, and even you know, down the road, you, you have these conversations with them, and they go, yeah, God's really blessing our church, and we had... 50 people here, or 30 people here. And we say, you know, it's quantity, not quality. And we have this small vision, and we're content with that. Our heart doesn't thirst for more than that. You see, Boone County, Burlington, has thousands of people, and why I believe God is blessing this, it's not just about quantity, or quality over quantity. If God didn't care about numbers, he wouldn't have wrote an entire book called Numbers. 
Why do we have such a limited perspective? Why do we believe that God can't do bigger things than what he does or what he's doing currently in our life? You see, Abraham was locked in his circumstances and was basically just saying to God, God, just give me one baby. That's all I want. It's just one kid. I mean, we just read the promises that Abraham was saying to him. Look at the stars. If you could even count them, that's how many descendants you'll have. That was his promise, and he was getting ready to blow that, to give it up for one kid. And how many times in your life are you limited and locked in because of your circumstances or situations? How many times do you make God small in your life? See, in this story, God says, here I am. Here I am. And we see Abraham say, I don't want your blessings. I don't want your blessings. It's said that in scripture, it says that God said to Abraham, I am your shield. Your reward will be great. Basically, what God was saying to him was he was saying, I'm going to give you me. And Abraham said, well, that's just not enough. That's not what I want. That's not what I want. Debbie Downer, I mean, what's wrong with this guy? And I think the reason that Abraham had this attitude problem was because of the first word in Genesis 15. That first word says, later. Later. Now, when you break that down in Scripture, it literally means before these things. Before these things. And so, it would help us to understand what happened before Genesis chapter 15. In Genesis chapter 12, he leaves Haran at 75 years old. He leaves everything he knows. He just leaves because God had called him into something. We see later down the road, God says, lift up your eyes when he's in Shekah. And he says, I'm going to give you this land. Again, down the road, Lot separates. And they have a total Lion King moment. He says, everything the light touches is your kingdom. But basically what he says is, look around and anything you see, I'm going to give to you. And so we see here in chapter 15, promise after promise after promise that in the eyes of Abraham seem unfulfilled. He might be 95 years old when this story is taking place. Now, I don't know about you, but I have no patience whatsoever. And so if I was Abraham, I feel like I would probably have an attitude problem too. And I think that's where a lot of Christians are at in life. They have this attitude problem. You know, how many conferences or messages or promises have you gotten from God that have remained unfulfilled in your eyes? That you haven't seen come to fruition or it hasn't been exactly how you wanted That's why some people don't buy into this whole Christianity thing. Maybe that's you tonight. See, if we aren't careful, we develop this attitude like Abram. I remember having a conversation with an older person in the church when I first started into my ministry. And this person basically said, Oh, Blake, you're so young, you cute little preacher, and you want to change the world, and you don't really realize how hard it's going to be, but, but you'll learn. I hope I don't. I hope I don't. Let's not get to that attitude problem in our life. You see, we see in Scripture that Abraham realized that talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. And he resolved himself for one kid. And so many of us have come to a consolation in our lives. We've accepted this thing in our lives and we've sold ourselves short of what God has planned for us. You know, God has called us as Christians to live abundant lives, not half lives. But so often in our job, in our marriages, 
in our friendships, in our church, in our community, the way we evangelize. We constantly are selling God short and selling ourselves short because we're settling for consolations. Abraham said, all my money is going to Elizar. And God said, there will come an heir from your own body. And then God saw fit the best thing that he could do for Abraham. I think it would be important for us to understand the context of what this is happening. So you guys might actually understand now why there's a tent on stage. Uh, But scripturally, Abraham, ironically enough, when he's having this conversation with God, is inside a tent. And so basically what he's saying in this scripture, get this picture, is Abraham is saying to God, Look, God, look at my circumstances and look at my situation. It's so overwhelming and so big. How many times have we done that in our limited perspective, in our own tents of life? We said the one, he said the one thing to God that you should probably never say. Look. I can just imagine God looking at him and saying, listen, looker, I'm going to take your looker and you'll never look again. I mean, really. Look. Look at my situation. And maybe this is you. God, look, my marriage is falling apart. God, look, my church is hurting. My kids are crazy. My wife, she needs help. As if God's going to come down and say, oh, shoot, I had no idea. Oh, my me. You'll catch that eventually. Scrap all those promises I gave you and just, just hold on. Have you ever told God, God, I've been doing this ministry thing for 10 years, or, or God, I've been building this business for, for 20 years, and God, I've been doing this marriage thing for 30 years, and I know that what I'm doing is right, and God, just see this from my perspective. See this from my limited, small perspective, God. My city, it's helpless. They're going to hell. My kids are going to hell. God, look. I've been building this up and and I've been raising these kids and I've been working on my marriage and if if I have one more promise that's unmet, I'm gonna scream. Now at this point, if I'm God, I'm gonna come down and lay the holy cosmoke smackdown on somebody. But that's not what he does because our God is a God of mercy and of grace. And our God isn't a God of unmet promises, but he's a God who has a plan and it's one to prosper us. It's one that is so much greater and bigger than our own. See, what God does is he comes down and he met Abram right where he was and he took him outside the tent. See, our Christian life, we haven't been called to live in tents. We haven't been called to live intense but we have been called to live lives that are intense ask Pete to put the definition of the word intense on the screen Webster defines the word intense as of extreme force of extreme force you see when we meet God's plan for our lives with surrender and faith the result is an extreme force an intense movement, a change, an impact, a growth in our destiny and who we can be through him. Something bigger than ourselves. That's what God has called each of us to. So what tent are you camping in? Are you camping in a tent in your marriage? Saying, well, we're making it. 
You know, we're not divorced like the rest of the street. And you're just living apathetically in your marriage. Maybe tonight God is saying, come out of that tent. Step into true love and spiritual growth and life with your partner. Maybe you're a person who has thrown away your dreams and your visions and the things that God has designed you to be good at, the things that you're talented at, the person he created you uniquely to be. And you're living in a job where you can't stand your boss, but at least it puts food on the table. Maybe God is saying tonight, come out of the tent and trust me. Stop limiting what you can do. It's not about how qualified you are, but it's how big I am and what I designed you to be able to do. Trust me. Trust me. Maybe for you in your life, you've been living in a tent the entire time because you've been trying to hide from God. You've been living in your bubble or your small world, and maybe you've even been coming to church for your whole life, sitting in the pew, going through the motions because it's what your parents did. But you've never had a relationship with Jesus. You said, I'm too broken and I'm too messed up and I don't buy into all that religious stuff. I don't want to sacrifice and I don't want to just have another duty on my plate. And tonight, God is telling you, hey, I'm going to meet you right where you are and I'm going to pull you outside of that tent and you're going to step into healing and into life and it's not going to be a task, but it's going to be a purpose. And I'm going to fill you with strength and you're going to have fellowship for the first time in your life. Scripture says, come to me all who is weary and heavy burdened and I shall give you rest. Maybe tonight you need to step out of your tent of doubt and anxiety and fear and into rest. And into rest. We aren't li- meant to live our lives in tents. Would you pray with me? God, just thank you so much for the opportunity to look at Abraham's life and to learn a lesson from it. God, we know that Abraham became the father of the nations, but it started with him coming outside that tent. And so, Lord, whatever our tents might be in our life, whatever our limited and small perspective might be tonight, God, would you just come and meet us right where we are and lead us outside that tent and cling to the promise that your ways are better than our ways and your thoughts are better than our thoughts. And while we might not understand what you want for our lives, we'll trust you. We'll trust that you're bigger than what we can come up with or what we can figure out or what we can settle for. God, no more consolations. We want you. We want that abundant life that you promise in your word. And so God, I'm praying for every heart in this room. And if there's somebody in this place who has never accepted you as a personal savior, God, God, just meet them right where they're at. I know you will. Your love is so big so powerful that it can take somebody who's messed up somebody who's broken somebody who's so far away from you and in a moment life change it's not a task or a chore or a job to become a Christian but it's literally a transformation a new creation 
God, let us cling to that tonight. Maybe our tents are things in our life that we're holding on to, that we're dealing with, that we're struggling with, and we're trying to do it in our own way. Or maybe it's just us not being able to understand things that are happening in our life. And so because of it, we're just tired, God. We're losing our patience. Would you allow us to cling to you and your promises and truly believe that there are no such things as unmet promises when it comes to you? We ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. During this time of invitation, just respond. You can respond by coming up and taking communion, remembering what Christ did on the cross for us when he died so that you and I could have eternal life with the Father. The altar's open if you want to pray. If you want to say, God, come meet me and lead me out of my tent. Don't leave this place still in your tent. There's no reason to wait. Scripture says life is but a vapor. We're not promised tomorrow. Would you stand and sing and respond whatever way God is calling you tonight?